This episode is brought to you by Weight Inclusive Innovators' newest offering, the Accountability Club. Are you struggling to find time to work on your business and need some accountability? The Accountability Club is a space for Weight Inclusive Innovators to dedicate time each month to work on their business. In this space, you'll be in a supportive community with like-minded professionals completing those $1,000 tasks that keep falling to the back burner and are keeping you from leveling up in your business. And registration is now open for our Q1 cohort. This will take place in January, February, and March of 2023. Do the work with two monthly co-working sessions, get support with one monthly group business coaching session, and be in community through our private Slack channel and weekly check-ins. Head to weightinclusiveinnovators.com slash accountability hyphen club to register today for our beta round pricing. We're in this together to make weight-inclusive care more accessible, and it starts with our businesses. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business. The good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, happy Monday, everybody. Today, we're going to be chatting about all things values-based business coaching, one of our favorite topics, as we are both business coaches, both receive business coaching at different times in our lives, and have a lot of opinions about business coaching. But before we dive into today's episode, we're going to check in with our friend Morgan. Hey, Morgan. Hi, Hannah. Tell us about your business highs and lows this week. So both of them happened yesterday. (laughs) Real time. We're ready. (laughs) So my uh, business low of the week was I somehow managed to book myself a 14-hour workday yesterday. That is disgusting. Hate that for you. Yeah. Thankfully, not to turn this in, not to add the ultimate positive spin on this, but thankfully, it was majority all things that I like just love doing. I mean, and Tuesdays are my onstage days. So I am like, I expect myself just to be extra busy on Tuesdays. Um, yesterday was just like extra, extra busy. I, I, mean, I wasn't okay. I was really tired today. <laughs> it was okay. Cause I made it through, but it was, it definitely was draining, especially because usually when I have that long of a day, whenever I have like longer days on Tuesdays, like Wednesdays are my flex days. And so I can like take it easy also had meetings today and had like a weird schedule today. So I'm just like, my brain's just kind of all over the place right now because it hasn't gotten the appropriate rest that it's used to getting. Can you give us a brief overview of what a 14 hour day entails without, you don't have to share a ton of details, but I'm just like, what were all these meetings? And like, what all did you have to do? Jesus Christ. Yep. So started my day at 7 a.m. I went to a coffee shop and I usually have that as dedicated time to do script writing for Weight Inclusive Business Academy. That's been something that I've been trying to like be really consistent about. So I was not about to miss it. Ended up not doing it. I was at the coffee shop at seven, but instead I was writing our fancy proposal. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So then I had meetings pretty much every 30 minutes. 
tasks. Well, I had a few tasks I needed to get done in the morning to like prep for the meetings. I had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven meetings ranging from 30 minutes to an hour. And then I had a happy hour scheduled, which is my high and I'll get to that in a minute. It was kind of related to work. So I'm counting it for work. And then there was a heads meeting last night virtually that was kind of last minute. They ended up having to cancel the one like two weeks ago. So they rescheduled it for last night and I wasn't going to go, but our president, president elect and education chair, who would be the ones to like welcome the speaker and do all of that. None of them could make it. So I was like, well, I might as well. Okay, cool. Yes, I can, I can show up. And then Hannah Stefan, our friend Hannah, and I have we're the heads conference co-chairs, and we have our weekly conference meeting every Tuesday night. So we just pushed that back after the heads meeting. 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. That's a spicy meeting day. Yeah, it was a lot. But my high of the week last night, I went to happy hour for some drinks and apps with Ashley Knight, who is the senior program coordinator for Project Heal, and uh, Joan Jong, who is the co-founder of Arise and is also the chief product officer and then is also on the board for Project Heal. And the two of them are so badass. Ashley just moved to Houston from Seattle like four months ago, I think. And then Joan grew up in a suburb in Houston, but just moved back, like just moved back. She moved back during the pandemic in May of 2020. Both of them are in Houston. And so me and Hannah Steffen went to go get happy hour with them and like learn about everything they're doing. They're such incredible ladies. And I'm so excited to like, like make it like a monthly happy hour because we had such a good time last night. Uh, We love a power duo slash boss ass people. That is awesome. Yes, we do. So that was, you know, technically, I get it was a, a, a late night, but that was really freaking cool to could get to chat with them and talk about all things like nonprofit because heads is a nonprofit talk about all things startup because uh, um arise is a startup and yeah tell us what arise is yeah okay also like jo- Joan was running late to our happy hour last night because they literally launched yesterday in Texas and i was like okay like you didn't have to come to happy hour I, launches are stressful like <laughs> It would have been okay. We would have rescheduled. Arise is virtual outpatient eating disorder care. It is very centered around each individual, weight inclusive, culturally sensitive, covered by insurance. Really, really cool. I'm so excited to have them in Texas. That is so chef's kiss. And obviously we're going to bring them on the pod. Uh, Yes, we should absolutely have Joan on the pod. So anyway, that was my uh, Tuesday. How was your week? What were your highs and lows? Let's see. Isn't it funny how grad school keeps being a low? Um, I was telling you before we hit record, because I think last week we recorded before I had this terrible realization, but um, I kind of had a little meltdown at the end of last week, which I'm going to say is part of this week because it's Wednesday when we're recording because we switched up 
recording times a few months ago, which has been really nice because I feel like we both have a little more energy on Wednesdays and Fridays. So this is in the last week. I always have homework due on Thursdays for grad school. So I usually spend Monday, Tuesday evenings looking over stuff. And then Wednesday, Thursday, I'll kind of work on stuff and get it ready to submit for Thursday. And we had some assignments that are starting to be due on Sundays. And I was like, okay, cool. Did the first assignment. It was like a PowerPoint case study, totally doable. So I go to open assignment two on Thursday last week. You will not fucking believe that it was a 10 page literature review for my grad school class that was due Sunday. I literally had a panic attack and I would have lost it. I did. And I canceled all my weekend plans. And then I went to a coffee shop both days. I spent 15 hours researching for this paper, gathering my resources. Not only, I don't know if people are familiar with literature reviews or remember from school, if you had to do it in your dietetic program, but it was a 10 page paper, had to cite sources throughout the paper and basically dissect the performance management industry and what they're doing and pull from all these Google Scholar, scientific papers. It was insane. It was, and let me just be clear. I love the program I'm in. The content is so helpful. And that was just a lot to do over a weekend at the expense of fun things, which is just like a stab in the heart for my Enneagram 7 semi-social self sometimes. So that was just a bummer. That was a super low, but I did get a 98% on my paper. So. Heck yeah. It wasn't (laughs) hearing stories like that. I like, I think about what it would be like to go back to school sometimes and then hearing stories like that. And I'm like, nope, I'm done. I have no more school left in me. I cannot write any more research papers, even having to freaking find references for the fancy proposal. And I was like, why, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to put things in APA citation? Like what's happening? No more. I'm done. Totally. And I I like hold both worlds because I'm like, my inner child is like, fuck all this. Like, why did I have to do that? But then part of me as someone who has knowledge and creates content, I'm sure you feel this too, of like, it is important to cite people and where you get information from and like give credit where it's due or else it's like stealing people's content. And it was just insane to like have this expectation. And again, I could have looked at the assignment ahead of time. That's on me. But I also, if assignment one had been a paper, I would have known to look ahead. You know, I don't know. So I'm I'm taking responsibility for my parts, but I was just very overwhelmed and kind of like, why am I doing this last week? And just kind of laughable too. I was like, oh my God, I literally have to write a paper before Sunday at midnight. And it's a big paper. I made it through. It's fine. It's chill. My high this week... There's nothing profound going on in the businesses this week. I'm having really good coaching sessions. Um, My team is doing awesome. We're getting ready to strategize for 2023 at Nourish Colorado. And I'm really excited to lean on my leadership team and continue delegating to them. I'm just grateful to work with such boss ass people. It sounds like your high is consistency and stability. Ooh, two things that are very hot to me. Um, (laughs) Two things that I'm actively craving in my business. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, I like that theme. I'm going to ride that high. It's not specific events or incidents, but it's just, it is the stability of having a solid team, the consistency of getting to do things with business coaching clients and um, just running the day-to-day operations. 
there's truly something magical whenever you hit a point in your business and you're like, wow, things feel consistent and stable, or at least more so than they have in the past. Right. I don't think there's ever a point where you fully feel that. No. If anybody's hit that, let us know and tell us your secret. But things are feeling pretty good over good. here. And I'm excited for all the stuff we're launching, like with the accountability club and just so many good things up our sleeves. So yeah. just right the high of being an entrepreneur, I think. You ready to dive into today's episode? Let's do it. As we talked about in the intro, we are talking about business coaching and doing it from a values-based place, receiving it from a values-based place, shitty stuff we see in our industry that we want to gripe about. And if you're thinking about business coaching, we want to give you some tips, some things to think about, all that good stuff. So in order to get us started, I have a question for you. I love a question. Lay it on me. Why did you become a business coach? Oh my God. It's such a big question. (laughs) So I was an accidental business coach. I'm <gasps> glad too. I was. But yeah, I was not on the journey to be a business coach, but here we are. Same So in 2020, early 2020, I was running my group practice. I really only had probably three people at my practice at that time. And I had been doing some interviews on podcasts and things about insurance and how that's allowed me to scale my business. And I think from there, it was kind of like a pipeline where people started to find me. And, you know, I think it's normal for entrepreneurs, especially to be curious and ask questions. So I had emails and requests of like, hey, like, how are you doing this? Can I pay to consult with you or can you supervise me? And in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I do supervision for my team. And I do supervision for a couple one-on-one people who are in their own private practice around clinical work. I wonder if I can just do that, but have a business mindset and process around that. So I was like, yeah, let's try it. Here's my supervisory rate. Let's get it going. And then by word of mouth, it just kind of spread over the next year. And I went from probably working with three people to working with seven to working with 10. And now I'm working with like 20. (laughs) But I know it like instrumentally escalated which is great. And I fucking love it. And it's one of my favorite things that I've ever done and will continue to do forever and ever and ever. Is all of your business coaching geared towards like business coaching support for private practice development? It is, I'm going to say 85% group practice with my key points of insurance-based or another sustainable way to help support clients. Cause there's some States where people can't take insurance, like panels are closed. Mm -hmm. Um, It's complicated. And these folks have ways where they're supporting people with reduced fees, sliding scales, and pro bono spots. So, you know, values-based still. Um, And they have to be weight-inclusive and in the eating disorder space. And I think those are my three. So it's primarily around, like, accessibility, taking insurance, and also growing your team. Yes. And having a group practice. I do have a handful of folks who are in their own solo practice. And doing more insurance consulting with me and their ultimate goal is to do group practice. So they're kind of in the very early phases of figuring out their own solo with the goal of group. So I I would say 
you know, it's all groups. And I have therapists, dietitians. I just booked some nurse practitioners today, which I'm super stoked about a new challenge for me personally, and getting to learn that industry and support really awesome humans that I adore in that space. Um, but let me backtrack a little bit. So 2020 was really building my people. 2021 was when I really started taking off and I started doing speaking gigs and things, which fully brought my presence into the open about what I was doing. Cause I'm a terrible marketer guys. Like I'm glad y'all are finding me word of mouth. This podcast is the most marketing that I love to do. So for what it's worth, and that's not even our intention anyway. So by the end of 2021, I had kind of been running my consulting that didn't have its own LLC or anything through Nourish Colorado. And I was actually talking about one of my, this with one of my business coaching clients, who's wanting to do consulting as part of her work, which I just think is awesome. Um, so I love that I'm becoming a business coach for business coaches too, but I was telling her, I'm like, Oh shoot. I didn't even think about how my revenue from business coaching was just getting absorbed into Nourish Colorado and probably offset numbers a bit last year. Whoops. And so at the end of 2021, I decided because Values Driven Group, which didn't have a name at the time, was finally ready to be its own entity because it was bringing in a good amount of revenue. So January 2022, I formed my LLC, got a new EIN, and then I hired you to build out my awesome website for me. And that's when it really started taking off too. So there was that point of like, when does it make sense for this thing to just be part of what I'm already doing as kind of under an umbrella versus making it its own company? And this was the year. And so now to speed, I am completely booked out for Q1 of next year and need to do some reassessing around like making sure I'm offering the most value to people. How else can I serve people on a bigger scale? Because, you know, you only have so much capacity for one-on-one and I'm still learning what the consistent and continuous themes are that people are running into like the same issues. And I'm still kind of mulling that over. So that's where I am up to date. I'm seeing about five to eight business coaching clients a week and it feels really good. Incredible. I have two, I guess they're both technically questions. (laughs) Love it. I love the questions. First one. Well, I guess this is more of a statement, but if you want to speak more on it, you can. One of my favorite things in our work together as we were developing this was your implementation of packages. And and I think I'm hyper aware to it because I'm a little nervous about doing packages for business coaching because it is an extra commitment that they're having to make. And I think that's my own like story that I'm telling in my head about that. But I, how do you think the niche of what you're doing paired with packaging has helped you? Oh, really good question. I want to talk about packages in general to start, if that's okay, because I feel like there's a very good place for it in the business coaching world. I actually don't love it for nutrition counseling because what I learned from doing anti-racism training and thinking about, you know, when you have a therapeutic relationship with somebody if it's not a good fit, like to have them feel stuck in something can feel kind of icky. So I just want to put that out there. And also that could come into the business coaching space, right? But the reason I do packages in business coaching, one is to set the stage for people of like, you can expect to work with me for a long time if this is a good fit. And like, 
you really understand what this entails. So that's part of it is I'm setting the stage for this to be effective. We're probably going to need to work together a minimum of three months. A lot of people end up working with me well over a year. People that I started with in 2020, many of them are still working with me. And so it's a long-term process. And with that, I wanted to give a little bit of a price break too, because business coaching is expensive and it, it should be because the business coach is taking on a big, I don't want to say a risk, but it's a big commitment to be committed to somebody else's business and to help them grow it. And we'll talk about more details in that later. But for packages, it made the most sense because what I found from doing this is if I'm working one-on-one with somebody, it makes sense for us to meet a couple times a month as accountability check-ins and then to have support in between, which we just launched Slack in September of this year. So I can support my business coaching clients in between our sessions because stuff just comes up in the day-to-day and I didn't want them to have to wait a while to be able to access me. And I also didn't want us both in our inboxes losing productivity in steam or another Facebook group, because again, death of productivity. So when we have Slack, which we also are using for the accountability club, because we love it, it's a intentional space to communicate about business stuff. My second question is, I heard you say coaching and I heard you say consulting when you were talking about prior to question one, is there a difference? Yes. So actually I would say Coaching, consulting, and mentoring are three different pieces that can come with receiving business coaching. And I think it's the norm for people to say business coaching as an umbrella, but I actually want to be specific about the differences between these things. So I incorporate all three into my work as a business coach. Um, I don't know for semantic reasons if it's important to be like, I do this or this or this, but I do all three. Coaching is when you're actively making plans and setting action items to complete. So it's very action-oriented. It's very objective. It's driven by the business coaching client's intentions and what they want to get done. Consulting is when I'm directly giving feedback based on my experience and what I see happening in their business. So it's not as much of like, what do you think of this? It's like, hey, I see this going this direction. It feels like my responsibility as your business coach to say, we have to pivot this and here's why. So it's more, I'm telling them what to do. And again, I'm open to feedback. And I'll say that too, of like, I want to honor, like sometimes it can feel hard to hear like someone telling you what to do in your business. And if I don't tell you this, here's the risk. So it's more of like them coming to me getting information about what they should do for their business versus me guiding them. It's much more direct. It's almost like, I mean, I think uh, I just hearing kind of that business coaching sounds very therapeutic, motivationally interviewing the client, whereas consulting is more like, here's my problem and you're giving a solution. An option for a solution. Let me throw in another curveball here because there's also mentoring, which really also ties in the therapeutic element because coaching, it should be therapeutic and supportive, but sometimes it's not in different settings. Um, And that's where mentoring comes in. I feel like, you know, especially working in the niche of eating disorders, weight inclusive care, working with clinicians who are tend to be, you know, I don't want to overarch P 
people, but there's a lot of people pleasing. There's a lot of highly sensitivity. And I'm also describing myself here at PS. There's a lot of people with big feelings, which I love. And well, so it's, like, it's being acute to our emotions, which is not yeah. usually allowed in the business space. Yes. It's attunement. And I was talking to somebody about this the other day in how it just in business coaching styles, actually, they appreciated the attunement piece. And I was like, yes, I think that's what mentoring is. Like you are having somebody come to you with their stuff and how it's showing up in their business and you're attuned to what they need. And so you're functioning as that mentor of like, I'm here for you. I know this sucks. I'm sorry. Um, and I feel like that's where the difference is between action oriented is action oriented is running with what they're saying. Like, okay, here's what we're going to do. What do you think of this? Does this fit with what you're hoping? I'm hearing you. And this is the feedback I have versus mentoring is like, I'm a space for you to come, whether there's a really hard conversation you had to have with an employee, or you're thinking about expanding your practice and you're really not sure because it's bringing up this thing that you went through in the past. And that's where it's really like the therapeutic alliance there. Do you, I know you said you incorporate all three. Is there one that you notice you tend to like gravitate towards more? Like I hearing those, like I definitely gravitate towards consulting because I love being a problem solver. I can see that for you. And I think that's a really big strength in the type of coaching you do as well, which we'll talk about in a second. For me, I'm a natural, I'm a really good clinician. I love people. I see them. And I think that's a superpower of mine. If like, I see you in your pain and I just want to sit in it with you and acknowledge it. And so I, I naturally go to that emotional space. And what I love about the role as a consultant coach mentor is I get to pull myself a little bit out of that too, because staying in that place and all of my empaths here that are listening, know it's like, the GIF image of being bent over with your battery drains needing to be plugged in. That is me when I'm in that space all the time. And so I, I think I naturally go to that place because I really fucking care. That's the other thing too, is like, I care about your emotions and I want you to feel seen and supported, but I really love doing consulting work too, because I feel like business is my zone of genius to use the big entrepreneur words. I'm really good at it. And I'm, I'm good at seeing what people are doing and giving them a little like tidbit of something to implement and then watching where it goes. So yeah, I think the difference of what I really like to do versus where I lean kind of fluctuates, but that's a really long drawn explanation of my brain. (laughs) You're welcome. I have another question. I feel like I could just like this whole episode, I could just be asking you questions. Okay. So I like consulting more because I like the problem solving and offering solutions that they might not be thinking of, which I think also kind of makes more sense than the type of coaching that I do. Like you mentioned with more marketing, social strategy, networking. One of the things that I'm constantly aware of is are the people that I'm, for lack of better words, we'll say coaching, are the people that I'm coaching or are my clients actually getting tangible things from our work together? Which I think that goes hand in hand with consulting versus coaching where there's more of that like motivational interviewing emotion piece to it. What type of return on investment ROIs metrics 
are you tracking with your clients to, I guess, kind of for lack of a better word, like for it to be considered like successful coaching? If they're not getting like tangible things all the time, I'm sure they are like a good chunk of the time, but. Ah, I love your brain. First of all, I 100% agree with you on your thoughts and consulting and the problem solving and giving a tangible. That's a perfect way to describe it in regards to what I do with people. And that's why I love that. It's a combination of all three. There's different kinds of return on investment, right? One of them is in the more non-tangible space. It's support and validation and a place to land to talk about how hard this is and to talk about how awesome it is. And when it comes to actual, when I think about the tangibles delivered, it's hiring a team, building a group, um, increased revenue. I am at the point, which I don't think I ever have, but I will fully say to somebody, if I don't think that they're ready to receive coaching from me. Like, I'm not going to take your money if I don't think you're going to get the return on investment tenfold. It doesn't make any sense to me. I price my coaching to a price that feels reflective of my experience, my capabilities to be a coach and my capabilities to give results to people. And again, I don't think results should just be about money and they have to be because it's expensive to receive business coaching. It's expensive to run a business. It's a big commitment in a lot of ways. And so I want people to be real serious when we work together and they will feel the return on investment. And I will tell you 100% of people that worked with me have easily gotten return on investment, which feels really good to say. And I would need to reflect more internally if like something funky was going on there. I I think there's like my own personal, I don't know if it's really a wound, but I had a business coach and while she definitely supported me through like a lot of tough transitions in my business, I also don't feel like I necessarily like got the ROI. Like I didn't see a direct increase in revenue to justify working with them again. It was also like during the pandemic, it was a weird time can honor that. But I think there's that lived experience of my own, like definitely holds me back from leaning more into the mentorship coaching side of things, because I wish I would have seen more like direct results. Yeah, no. Oh my gosh. And I think a lot of people are going to be listening to this episode and nodding with you because I've, I don't know what it's been about the last couple of months, but I've heard a lot of stories where people are just really disappointed of like, I paid for this big program that I was expecting. There was an expectation from me, understandably, Mm -hmm. because you spent all that money Mm -hmm. and nothing came of it. And like, yes, information was gained and that's valuable in itself. But when you are receiving coaching for a business outcome and you don't get that outcome, that is disappointing. And it feels like, well, why am I doing this? You know, everybody has to start somewhere where they're, when they're being a business coach, and maybe it needs to be more clear that it's a mentorship versus here's my coaching and consulting and we're going to do strategy and here's our ultimate goal for you. And again, when I'm doing coaching with people too, it's not in those direct words of like, this is our outcome, but we do have a shared vision that we're working towards together for their business that does include hiring people, 
increasing revenue, being very intentional about decisions that are going to impact both of those things, looking at the long game return on investment. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I think that's probably where my like hindsight 2020, right? Like I didn't really know where I was going with my business. I didn't have that clear vision. So I guess if someone doesn't have that like super clear vision of where they're going, do you think it's still beneficial to work with a business coach and kind of loop that into the initial piece of the work? Or do you think it makes more sense to hire a business coach like when you have that vision? God, you're asking such great questions. <laughs> I am I have all the questions for you. You're on fire. I think that it's hard to know for yourself. And that's the other thing too, is like, you don't know what you don't know. And you don't, a lot of people don't know how a business coach works or what they're supposed to do or what it's supposed to look like, which is okay. And so it's really hard to know within yourself, like, am I ready for this? Am I not? And what I would say is hopefully you have a awesome person that you reach out to for mentorship, for coaching, for consulting that will guide you and let you know if this is going to be a good fit or not. That's always the hope. And with any business decision, which hiring a business coach is, there's always a level of risk mitigation you have to take for yourself. So I have had people reach out to me who were in solo practice and still wanting to build up their caseload and you know, hadn't started the process too much yet. And I've turned people away from working with me because I'm like, it's really not a good use of your resources. Like, please go check out these other things that are more cost-effective. It might be a group coaching program where the price is a bit lower because, you know, you're in a shared space. And, you know, that's what, in some ways, I hope the accountability club is for people too, a more accessible way to be able to get some coaching and some accountability without having to pay $400 a session out of pocket because it just doesn't make sense. And so if someone is thinking about receiving business coaching or doing some kind of business support, I would have them think about what makes sense for their business or what what is the amount of money they're willing to put towards this without an expectation. And that's a really hard question, right? Because if you're paying high dollar, you want to have an expectation. So that's also good information for yourself of like, I'm not willing to pay this much money and not get anything out of it. That's really good insight about where your business might be at. So maybe you're setting a budget of like $500 and you're like, okay, if I blow $500, like I know I'll at least learn something and maybe make some connections that's worth it to network with later on. Awesome. So finding that point of, risk tolerance to where you're like, I feel okay about spending this money. It would suck to not get anything out of it, but at minimum I will get this. That's a great place to start. Morgan, you do a completely different kind of business coaching, consulting, mentorship. What Tell us what you do. So for my business coaching, I am focused on marketing and systems within a business to increase efficiency and reach. Reach and efficiency. If we want to go reach for marketing, efficiency for systems and keep those parallel. I do it by just like individual coaching sessions. I allow one-off coaching sessions. So if someone wants to hire me just for one hour, Right now, I am currently allowing that because I think sometimes it can just, I, I, and I think this is where like the, you don't know what you don't know 
So there's lower risk of spending an hour with me kind of throwing everything out there. We can kind of piece it together and like untangle some things. And then that might be all someone needs. They might just need that sounding board in order to say everything that's in their brain and have someone with a marketing, with the systems, with a business mindset to kind of like piece through it a little bit. So that's what I currently offer. I think there is a lot of value in packages though for that type of work. My like dipping the toe in the water into packages, I also offer intensives. So there are certain parts of business that is work that the client needs to be doing, but they just need guidance to get started. So the three types of intensives that I offer are email marketing intensives, social strategy intensives, and customer journey intensives. This is more like high level getting things started um, with some tangibles that come with it. So with the social strategy, I do include some templates as long as someone has the brand aesthetics, logos, colors, fonts, things like that, that I can work with. Email marketing, I do help write copy and build out that initial email campaign to make it look aesthetic and branded. And then customer experience journey is really just 90 minutes of going through kind of your whole system. And I think that there's opportunity for those three things to turn more into packages if I wanted them to. Especially, I know a lot of people want to do social media. I love the strategy side of social media. I hate the consistency of having to keep up with social media. There's also a difference between a social... What was the difference? There's like a social media manager and a social media strategist. Yes. Might be missing those names a little bit, but essentially social media manager, managing your social media, being in charge of posting, being in charge of like scheduling out content, writing captions, things like that. The strategy side is like, what are the goals with social media? What type of content do you need to be creating in order to hit those goals that you have for social media? Anyway, let's say those are, those are, that's the current business coaching plans that I have. And I, it's my, it's a goal in 2023 to kind of sift through that because I don't have a lot of consistency with them. I think I have two clients who have done, one has done essentially every other week, every three weeks. And I have another client who's done like once a month coaching. But other than that, everyone else has been just like one-offs hire me and my brain for an hour. Which makes sense because what you are offering, it sounds like one is still really new to our industry. And I'm imagining you're maybe feeling still in the research phase of like, how can I be the most helpful for people? What do people need? How can I make this a path for them to take, which then may lead to packages of like, I see what you're going to need. We need like a two hour intensive. And then we need a check-in every two weeks and then monthly to really make sure you're gaining the traction that you want. And so, because I know your bread and butter has been design and strategy and website stuff and dipping your toes in and like doing this consulting, you're in that initial phase of like, what, what do people need? What am I still 
trying to get here. And I think too, like there is like, just kind of, I'm, I feel like I'm so stuck on this, like consulting versus coaching thing with what you're offering. I think there is a lot more emotion attached to bringing someone else into your business. Like there is a lot of emotion that comes with that, with switching into this role of like boss and leader and that whole shebang. Whereas with the types of things that I'm offering, like it is a lot more tangible. Like, yes, building a practice is tangible. There are tangible steps to do, but the coaching that I'm doing is like, what systems are we using? How do we get from point A to point B with concrete tech systems that are being put in place? And that's like the primary piece of the coaching and consulting. Spot on. Yeah, because with coaching and with having ongoing relationships where I'm seeing my clients really regularly, so many pieces come in that we use as a lens for the decisions we're making, pivots we're making. And you're right, there is a lot of emotion space there. And when we make one decision, it tends to be a butterfly effect of other pieces that need to be addressed. And so we just have a lot of stuff to work with. The work I'm doing is more ongoing while your work has a closed loop, which also it can be really nice for we've completed this task together. How cool is that? Versus like sometimes group practice coaching, it goes on a long time which is awesome. And I like, I like the long-term relationships. Um, and then on the business side, it does create more stability for me too. Mm -hmm. We're going to pull it back to uh, the title of this podcast episode with values based business coaching. This is something that Hannah and I are very passionate about. We both have our own personal values, our own business values. And when we're doing any sort of coaching, we know what the other person's values for their business are too. And so it's this beautiful integration of being able to make sure that we are recommending things in their business that are supporting our clients' values and the type of life that they want to be living. This feels very new in the business coaching space. There is a lot of icky, business coaching culture bullshit out there that the only value that I think they're really worried about is revenue. And don't get me wrong. Revenue is important. We're all living. We live in a capitalistic society. We have to make money. That should not be the only metric in your business. Preach. It should not be the only metric that your coach is focusing on when you're receiving coaching, consulting, and mentorship? For me, it feels like a given. If you have a business and you're getting coaching, you're going to re increase revenue. Like that is a obvious, yeah, why do we even have to say it? And I get that. I think part of, you know, if we have compassion for the icky bro marketing that we see, that's like, make $10,000 in three days with these steps, people do need to make money to live. And so, but that's very predatory to say it in that way. And also to guarantee, quote unquote, something that you cannot guarantee because especially in our industry, there's so many pieces where we don't have control. And when other humans are involved, that makes things 
more fluid and less certain. So we hate the bro marketing bullshit. You've heard us talk about that on the podcast before. And we just want to separate the idea of that versus making revenue as a result of growing your business because you're receiving coaching. Like we believe in that for sure. 100%. The interesting, there's been an interesting pattern that I have noticed recently. I'm curious if this has popped up in your world too. So I feel like previously it was bro marketing and then essentially what we were doing. And then I started hearing about ethical business coaching, ethical business copywriting, ethical marketing. And it's taken me a while to figure out what I think about the word ethical because we're in the eating disorder space. We're in the weight inclusive space. Ethics are like top of the list as clinicians who have worked with clients who are in very vulnerable spaces in their life. And so people started marketing themselves as like ethical this, ethical that. And I'm like, is that just like not a given in the weight inclusive space? Realizing that not all of them are just in the weight inclusive space. Whenever I saw it for the first time, I had like a little bit of a panic attack and I'm like, oh my God, I believe in this. Do I need to put ethical in all of my marketing materials too? And I like, and I, and I still rumble with that sometimes. And I'm like, do I need to like put the word ethical? And then I realize like everyone has their own niche and I get it. And that's great. I am more drawn to people who are using ethical marketing language. I've learned a lot from them. I really want to know where they're getting their coaching on what makes them comfortable saying that they are doing ethical insert business service here. So what I hear you saying is you are seeing ethical being used as a buzzword and uncertain if people's actions and what they offer is actually reflecting that because it's like, what does that mean? And shouldn't we all be ethical? Like, aren't we all ethical or like doing our best to be ethical? And if we find out we're not, then we make changes. Um, I would say, yes, the people that I've seen, I'm going to put a little bit of a caveat because the people that I've seen that have like labeled their services as ethics-based the content they're putting out is genius. It's so good. And it goes so against bro marketing. Like, yes, I feel like it's a little bit of a buzzword, but also the people that I've seen, I've been learning stuff from them as well. And it's been stuff where it's like in my brain, I like know that as like a clinician, they're actually putting a name to what I've been thinking. And that's really helpful for me. So it sounds like using the word ethical and practicing in that way with business services and coaching and copywriting and all of that is the antidote to bro marketing. And maybe that's, you know, drawing parallels with our space. When we say we're weight inclusive innovators, we're wanting to make a point of we practice from a fat positive weight inclusive lens. We want to help clinicians who are also in that space. If you're offering weight loss, miss us with that because we're not in that for you. And we know that the intersections of the business world coming into our specific clinician space can have some conflicting stuff with all the diety bullshit advice, quote unquote, that's out there about business. And so we're not going to do that here. And we want it to be a safe place for people. Exactly. And so like 
there's been an uprise, at least on my end, maybe it's just my Instagram algorithm showing me people who have labeled themselves as ethical business coaches or whoever, whatever service they're doing. I've noticed an uprise with it. I hope it doesn't become a trendy buzzword. I feel like it might just be a really good descriptor. Like you would call yourself like a non-diet dietitian, a weight-inclusive practitioner. Like those are maybe a little more buzzy in our world, but it doesn't, just because they're like buzzwords doesn't mean they're any less real. You are so right. Some other things that kind of fit in with the ethical descriptor of business services. It makes me think of our friend, friend of the pod, Laura Jean, who's over at Dietitian Values. And she does a lot of work with values-based business stuff and talks about challenging capitalism and like, how do you still pay yourself and get money that you need to live without doing it in this grindy hustle culture kind of way? We love her. We'll have her on the pod soon. And Then there's also a coach who I need to find her name. We might've mentioned her on the pod before. Her name's Rachel Turner, I think. And she's a trauma-informed business coach. Yes. I would love that too. Um, What I've found in my work business coaching is there's a lot of our own shit that comes in from past traumas and things when it comes to business. And so I just think that's a really good ethical way to be doing business coaching as well. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where as that becomes more of the norm to label yourself as trauma-informed, ethical, values-based, it kind of reminds me of like psychology today when a, a therapist lists like 40 different specialties. And it's like, okay, like technically all of these could be kind of like blended together. Like someone could be experiencing a lot of these things. But it makes more sense when you're specialized where it's like, hey, these are my two to three things that I specialize in. I have a lot of FOMO around this language because I feel like I am ethical. I feel like I am a little bit more trauma-informed just having worked in this space, more so than just like other business coaches, not necessarily clinicians because they don't have like the full, I never dove into like the full clinical training working with clients one-on-one, but I would say informed of just like working in this space more so than other dietitians that are not in the eating disorder space that have like no trauma informed care. And so I'm like wanting to put all of these words all over and be like, yes, I am trauma informed. Yes, I am ethical. Yes, I I, I don't prescribe to bro marketing. And it's this weird intersection of like, but I don't want to like list all of that out, even though it may be true. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's not really, well, as I say, it's kind of like the comparison trap mixed with FOMO of like wanting to pull all of these things because you see that's how other people are labeling themselves and they seem to be having a lot of success online. And you're like, is that it? Is this the next thing? Mm-hmm. Do I need to be jumping on this like rise of pulling these skills that we have from the clinical space into the business coaching space? But actually like naming them instead of letting people assume that because I worked as an eating disorder dietitian, I now am able to bring those bits and pieces of my experience into the business coaching space. And it's also seeming to have a scarcity component too of like, who am I missing out on by not listing these things about myself? And where I think this all ties in nicely, because we're talking about working as business coaches in a values-based lens is we can only have so many values. 
And I remember reading this profound part of Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, where she was talking about, I care about these five things, but I can capture that with this one phrase or this one word. So I think it comes back to all of these things are valuable and you practice in this way, but what is the word you need to say to portray this to people so that it doesn't get lost in the 40 words you want to say to describe yourself because you are all of those things? Like, what is the value that ties in a good amount of those? I'm mind blown. Wow. And that makes me like, I need to go read. I've read like bits and pieces of Dare to Lead, but I haven't read it fully. That's incredible. I know that might've been a little bit more of a rhetorical question, but the thing that comes to mind is like one of my top values in personal life that I think also blends over into business is curiosity. Because I feel like if you were constantly curious about the values that you're showing up with, if you're constantly curious about challenging the norm, then you'll get to the place that feels right for you. So for our listeners who might be thinking about doing business coaching, mentorship, consulting, what do you think is a reason why people might look into this or where might they be at? Where might their brain be at? There's two things that come to mind for me. The first one is if you have a decently consistent and stable business and you are kind of getting I don't I don't know if board's the right word but you're getting kind of stuck in the mundane tasks and you're like ready for the next thing to like you have the capacity to kind of like take that extra risk that would be one suggestion I would have if you're stuck in that of why you should receive business coaching that's a good one I have another one to add to that and this is my favorite kind of client is someone who has a group practice or is like totally filled to the brim in their private practice and they're ready to like make the next move, but they're feeling totally, utterly chaotic and direction all, which is a term my business coach taught me where you're just feeling like I need to do this, but I also need to do this. But what about this? Oh my God, I have to hire somebody while I'm in all of this. I think it's time to hire somebody to help you get more clear about where to go next, because you will spin in that forever and ever. There's always so much to do. And prioritizing is important. And a business coach can help you do that. Another experience to where it might be a little nudge of like, hey, it's time to hire a business coach or get coaching around something is when you are trying to learn a new skill that you don't have any training in. Because I can guarantee you hiring someone to hear your business and get you in the right direction is going to have a much better return on investment and is not going to use as many of your resources as spending hours upon hours on Google trying to learn from someone who isn't familiar with this industry. One other reason someone might be thinking about a business coach is hitting the same bottleneck in their business over and over. And maybe that ties into being stuck, like you had mentioned, but it's more of having a problem that they can't solve and they don't know why. And getting some support around that from someone who is steps ahead in the business that you want to have, or someone who is a specialist in that area that can help push you through that point and give you some actionable items on how to 
I don't know. What do you do with a bottleneck? Open it up, let it flow, expand it, tear it off, (laughs) get rid of that bottleneck, get rid of getting rid of it. That's it. And then the last one that I'll leave us with is it may be time to receive some coaching. If there is something on your to-do list that keeps getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And at that point, you might just need a little nudge with the next steps, but you also might need accountability. Oh my God. Are you telling them they should join the accountability club if they are there? All I'm saying, it might be a good stepping stone, especially if taking that step of hiring a one-on-one business coach feels a little scary. I know I've been there committing to that much money when you, when you are also like still trying to figure out how you're going to be making that much money is terrifying. And so thankfully there are different types of business coaching. You can do one-on-one coaching, you can do group coaching, you can do membership coaching. And I've seen on the up and up, and it's something that you're curious about too, is just Slack business coaching, getting, having access to a coach through a messaging platform, all the different price points, depending Mm -hmm. on what you're able to budget for, what you're able to commit to and what type of needs you have. And like Morgan mentioned, as some of her offerings, there's the option of doing intensives where you can work on a specific issue and have a handful of sessions with a certain outcome. So our hopes from this episode is you feel a little bit more familiar with what business coaching, mentorship, consulting looks like, why it's important to have it if you're going to receive it or do it. I know there's people listening that will definitely be business coaches one day, which is awesome. And needing it to be from a values-based lens and things that are important for you to portray to people or receive from people. And thinking about your specific situation. And just so you know, too, it's okay if you're not ready to hire a business coach or get business support right now. We have been there, but we wanted you to be fully informed about things to think about, why you might receive coaching and the different types so you can make the best decision for you. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our pod to add us to your queue every week. Please leave us a rating and review and share with a friend to help us reach more weight inclusive business owners who could use support and pep talks. And don't forget, registration for the Accountability Club is now open. We'll see you next week. Bye.